0: What's on tap for today? Well, I don't know if you've heard this before, but there's an election on the way that might have come up in a conversation or two. How does an election affect your portfolio? We're talking uncertainty, stocks and elections with so many podcast creator and harsh and host and and harsh Farnoosh Tarabi. Uh, Today's October 16th episode of Buddy with Friends. Welcome back to the Money with Friends podcast, coming to you live from my mom's half-finished basement in Texarkana, Texas, where apparently I can't talk. I'm Joe hi
1: and I'm Farnoush Chirabi, host of the So Money podcast from Montclair, New Jersey. Are you
0: Are you harsh, Farnoush?
1: It can be. Um, I'm kind of the bad cop parent in my house. Well,
0: if you play bad cop on today's episode, that'd be nice because yesterday you were so the good cop. So this is okay. the podcast where we cover recent stories written from the financial press. Today, we're talking about one from Market Watch. We're not only going to dive into uh, the story, but we're also going to talk about how it affects your wallet and what you can do to invest, save, and pay down debt more effectively, and hopefully do it in around 20 minutes. Uh, today's show is brought to you by Tiller Money, optimize your financial life in Google Sheets with fast automatic transaction imports, easy templates, and a free 30-day trial. Learn more at tillerhq.com forward slash MWF. Farnoosh is back for day two. We did not scare her away. I'm so glad you're gonna save the show today.
1: I wish I wore on a different shirt. Why now you are going to think that I didn't change? (laughs) I I slept in this and I came back to the show. I know it's a pandemic and we're all at home, but seriously, put yourself together. Well, look, and I did too. So both of us have the same shirt on
0: today. Yes. And uh, we have a fantastic show. We are talking about uh, an upcoming election. Let's see who might be in that election and what's actually going on with the, uh, (sighs) we'll see, we'll see which one of our friends is going to help us kick off the show. This is Tim from the Faith and Finances podcast. Just when you thought it couldn't get any better, it's time for our headlines. All right. Today's piece is an opinion piece. Normally, we don't do opinion pieces, but I found this really interesting. It's written by Brian Krause, and the opinion is this is how to build a portfolio strong enough to handle any uncertainty about the economy and the election. And by the way, Farnoosh, the reason I picked this piece at first is whenever I read a headline like that, I immediately roll my eyes. I'm like, oh, please, not another clickbaity thing. And yet Brian makes a really good point saying there is a problem. And that's that so many investors say they're going to make changes to their portfolio based on what happens in the election. Listen to this. 45% of respondents in a Hartford Funds uh, uh, recent survey, 45% of respondents plan to make portfolio changes ahead of the election. 47% of respondents believe a Donald Trump victory be better for their portfolios, while 37% believe their investments would benefit from a Joe Biden win. 78% of respondents believe that a unified government, president, house, and senate of the same party is best for personal finances. 62% of respondents plan to make portfolio changes in the 12 months after the November election these results indicate brian writes that there's a good amount of misinformation (laughs) out there which if acted upon could lead to suboptimal portfolio decisions and then he goes into what his research shows but but but, you know before we can dive into that in a second farnoosh but but all those numbers just made me groan i'm sure they must have made you groan too all these people that say they're going to move their money around based on what happens in the election
1: Right. I assume these are long-term portfolios. You're not interested in cashing out anytime soon. I get that people are nervous and and I want to just acknowledge the mental health component to all of this. Like there is some serious concern around the future of our world and the economy. I get that. And I will be honest that early, earlier this summer, I actually reconfigured my retirement plan. Partly what because I was concerned about the, the, the direction of the world, but also because I had arrived to a point in my life where I think it I it, it, I needed to sort of revisit my portfolio to make sure that my risk tolerance that I have now is reflected in the portfolio. And so what maybe prompted me to look under the hood was the current affairs of the world. I went back to the tried and true principles, the good principles of why, how you create a portfolio in the first place, which includes my investment horizon, my risk tolerance, things like that. And I realized that when I created the portfolio 15 years ago or so, I was in a different place. I was unmarried, no kids, wasn't a breadwinner. And I benefited from being very aggressive in the market. And now I'm 40. Do I have all those same personality traits or is my life the same? Not really. My risk tolerance has diminished a bit. My plans for retirement. I want to retire maybe even a little sooner than I thought. And so I adjusted the portfolio to not be so aggressive in the stock market. I'm still very much invested in the stock market, but I went from like 90% to something like 60, 70%, which again, for my life stage, for where I'm in my life, was I felt, I felt appropriate. So if you're in the camp right now where you're looking at the election and feeling like it's doomsday or it's not going to be good for your portfolio, don't make moves because of that but really question yourself maybe it's a good time to re- to revisit the portfolio but but question yourself as to you know why am i making these changes really uh, or if i want to really um, what are my goals uh, look at the historical trends like at every election cycle you know of course the market's going to be uncertain and volatile but it doesn't it have a long-term effect i don't think that the uh, experts would say it does and so short term, we have to expect that there's going to be volatility. You might lose some money in your portfolio over the next six months. But if your goal is to keep that money in your portfolio for the next 20 years, that doesn't matter. And if anything, if the market dips in six months, you want to get in a little bit more. You want to buy some stocks that are on sale. But I I think that I just want to, and this is a little bit of a derailment from what the financial advising community recommends, right? Which is like, stay the course no matter what. But if you are sleeping poorly at night, which I was for consecutive nights, worried about why isn't the economy, why is the economy moving in one direction, the stock market's in another direction. I'm 40 now, I have a lot of responsibilities, a lot's on my plate financially. I would be upset if I lost 20% in my portfolio. I, I don't think I could deal with that. 25 year old Farnoosh could have, but now I don't think so. So let's revisit the portfolio and make sure that for the next 20 years, I'm set up in a way where no matter where the market goes, I'll be, I'll be comfortable with that. You have to take into that, take that into account, I think. And we don't often. No,
0: I think that that's, I I love what you said there, because I think that, you know, the problem isn't the market and what the markets are going to do around the stock market. We'll get into what the real statistics are in a minute. The issue is you and it's, and and it's all behavior. And if you're in a portfolio that's way too risky for your lifestyle and for yourself, you have to make that change. Right. And it's, when I was a financial planner, it was much more about my comp, my clients being able to ride that roller coaster than it was the roller coaster, right? The roller coaster is going to be the roller coaster. It's it's can you, can you withstand what it does? Because if you just look at the statistics, 100% stock for a long-term goal or 100% stock in real estate is a great way to go. But that's a hell of a roller coaster. That is a nasty, nasty ride. And I know that people are not going to sleep through it. They're going to worry the whole time And, uh, and they need to make a change. And the other change they need to make, by the way, when they make that change to a lower expected return over time to get a little bit nerdy here, you also then have to figure out what does that do to my goal? Because what that does is if you're going to take less risk, you're accepting a lower rate of return, which means you either are going to uh, uh, retire on less, maybe retire less early, or you you put more money away, you know?
1: Yes. And that's what I did. I put more money into the portfolio knowing that I wasn't going to get to that goal in, you know, whatever goal I was going to hit in 10 years is now a a harder achievement because of my lower return, because I'm less exposed to the stock market. I'm more in bonds and things like that. So I was like, I'm going to put more in so that I can at least still arrive at that number theoretically, Uh, but along the way, not so many stomach turns.
0: The uh, statistics that we were alluding to, let's get to those. What the real statistics are, because Farnoosh, all these statistics that people believe are true, none of them are true. Let's talk about it. From 1993 to 2019, the average real return for the S&P 500 during Democratic presidents was 10.2. It was only 6.9% under Republicans. So whenever we think that a Republican's going to do a better job, historically, at least since 1993, that hasn't been the case. Now, they also say, though, however, strip away the outliers, right, that Republican presidents have had to live through, like the dot-com bust and the great financial crisis. The return difference between a republican president and a democrat president pretty close to zero and also since 1937 the s&p 500 has averaged a 12 month return of 14.6% when an election has a divided government versus what people expected uh, would be better a unified government that's only 13% uh, so those 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 things are are way way different and just making changes in your portfolio based on I feel like it's betting on a horse race, right? Like we think this yeah. is, this is a, this is, and, and, and it's not, I, I think we should probably look no. at some data before we start moving our money around.
1: But I'm, I'm a member of the media and this is part of that media that I don't like and I don't respect. And I used to be in that newsroom with my editor going, what's a headline that we can attach to the stock? You know, if everyone's reading political news and you work at a business news desk you got to attach yourself to that political news cycle to make anyone interested in your article. This is the behind the scenes, everybody. This is unfortunately how newsrooms need to get clicks. And it's, it's, it's awful because we're talking about our money here. It's not, you know, we're not talking about Kim Kardashian. It's, it's our money. And so we have to be more responsible with these types of headlines. This should go under an, I hope it's under an opinion column. It, it's it's no, not, it's, you
0: know. it does say opinion in big letters. Okay. In, in big, All right. big letters. So
1: to their credit.
0: The, uh, uh, I'll tell you what's, what's also interesting. You know, we joined Westwood one in May and we work with these fantastic people there, but they put, uh, uh, Teresa, who we work with, who's awesome at Westwood one at a meeting we had maybe two months ago. Teresa said, hey, we're putting together this package of political shows for advertisers. We thought it'd also be fun for you on Stacking Benjamins, by the way, not on Money with Friends, but on Stacking Benjamins, if you and OG would do a series about the election and about what that means for the stock market. And I said, well, what's funny, Teresa, is it doesn't mean I didn't say the word crap. I said this other word that I like better that we, we can't say. I said, it doesn't mean any of that. And we're going to say that. To her credit, by the way, she said, that's fine. And that's what you should do. Because I started sending her all of these, all this data that shows that the election, when it comes to the stock market, not as relevant as people think it is, at least over the you know, short run when people make all these moves. And, um, and, and she thought that was great. And you know why she thought it was great? Because you never hear that. You don't hear what you and I are talking about today. All we hear right. are these inaccurate <clears throat> statistics that one party is going to be better for the uh, for the stock market than the other.
1: Yeah, you're in a 24-hour news cycle. And, you know, CNBC, all these channels, they got to come up with, you know, these alternative headlines or interesting kind of sidebar topics that – don't really make an impact or shouldn't really make an impact on our decisions as far as where to put our money, how much to invest, but it's interesting fodder and it's, it, it takes up the time.
0: It does. And, uh, and apparently advertisers want to latch onto it because that's what big brother told me was, Hey, we could probably sell tons of advertising around this. Yeah. Um, but it would have been fun (laughs) to do a bunch of shows. Nobody took it, which is good because we don't really want to do the election, but I said, yeah, okay. We could just tell people what they already should probably probably. Yeah. Yeah. Which is stay the course. In just a second, Farnoosh and I are going to have our takeaway from today's opinion piece from uh, MarketWatch. First, I want to talk about how I track my money and that's at tillerhq.com forward slash MWF. I like tracking my money here because it's a spreadsheet. And I don't know, are you a spreadsheet person, Farnoosh?
1: I'm I have my own cash flow spreadsheet, but I also use apps yeah. to just track the net worth for the household, but yes. like for my business, I keep a cash flow spreadsheet just so I know I get paid at all different times during the year and months and I just want to know like you know that sure. I'm not going <laughs> to be in the negative or in in the red, you know. Well, see, I like spreadsheets
0: that way, but I'm not like the spreadsheet nerd who's looking to parse my data 67 ways. No, no. But some people that use Tiller use it that way. I use it the opposite way, which is they start off with a bunch of templates and then I can dumb it down because I like moving fast and just having the basic, just give me the basic numbers. I want to move quickly, but I also want it to be a spreadsheet so I'm not stuck with an app that gives me all this crap that I don't really need. So that's why I like Tiller. You can Try it out for free, Farnoosh. If you want to go with, go for okay. it, check it out. Use our link, tillerhq.com forward slash MWF. You'll get a free 30-day trial. <laughs> nice nice job. Sell it. Sell it, Farnoosh. That's awesome. Tillerhq.com
1: forward slash MWF.
0: Yes. And you'll get a free 30-day trial, and you can see why oh, I like cool. it so much. There it is. Thanks.
1: Better yeah. than my dumbed-down Excel spreadsheet it with is, the yellow highlighting. It's exactly like your spreadsheet, but then... Everything
0: automatically gets added to it, which is very cool. That's great. Yes. Yeah. It is incredible. And thank you for helping us with a sponsor. I (laughs) totally appreciate
1: that. You send my check in the mail. What
0: what is your takeaway from our piece today on elections in the stock market?
1: Well, I think that like you, I agree that we shouldn't uh, make moves in our long-term portfolio based on any news, whether that's an election or uh, the weather, Uh, but- that there's something to be said about recognizing how you feel about your investment strategy and revisiting that strategy from time to time when you have changes in your life, when you, you know, get married, have kids, get a divorce, all of that constitutes a revisiting of not just your investment portfolio, but all of your finances. So thinking of your investment portfolio as one aspect of your overall financial plan. And if you're gonna make a change to the investment portfolio, what else needs to change? Because it's not in isolation.
0: I I have to tell you I did not expect this this part of the discussion about you changing your investments but I love the fact that you brought up that everybody says leave it alone and largely today I would have said this piece is crap leave it al- leave it alone And actually his takeaway is pretty good right saying that people have the wrong data and you should have better data so his takeaway but the headline the clickbaity you should ignore all that. But I love it even more that you talked about the fact that you changed your portfolio because making a change based on you and knowing yourself, you're going to be the one that blows up your portfolio. And we don't want to do right. that, that, whether it's an election or a lifestyle or whatever it is. And also the fact that you revisited it. You know, I think that whenever you do a financial plan, it's wrong. Within days, it's wrong. But that's why you do financial planning, not just a financial right. plan, because it's this ongoing thing. Yep. Good stuff. Farnoosh, not only do you have a podcast that we talked about uh, yesterday, but I've also heard tell that you're a best-selling author. What's up with that?
1: Oh yeah. How do you do so much stuff? uh, Well, I haven't written a book in in a number of years. I've been busy with the podcast, but I'm I'm thinking of another one. I don't know. But yeah, I started my career as a journalist and then an author. I've written three books. My last book was called is called when she makes more 10 rules for breadwinning women. It was published in 2014 paperback came out the year following. It feels like yesterday, by the way, it it totally feels like yesterday. Um, and, uh, it's still really relevant. I, I thought I would write this book and everybody would get the, get the rules. And then, you know, we could go on having happy marriages no matter who made how much money, but it continues to be a point of, uh, contention and, um, requires clarity for a lot of people. So it's, uh, it's, the book has continued to be a mainstay in a lot of people's lives.
0: I recommended when she makes more to a friend literally a week ago, maybe five days ago, because of friction in their marriage, because of that, that same thing. Like, I I don't know why everybody didn't read it right away. And you would have gotten rid of that.
1: I think people are in denial. I think people don't want to believe that this could potentially be problematic. It's like, we're very progressive, you know, and I think that's. The irony is that we are this progressive country in many ways, women's rights, blah blah blah. But um, when it comes to marriage, we 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 hold on to these very traditional principles and uh, gender expectations, and and it, it blows up in in a marriage when you come in with like very liberal views of and of how it should be. But but we all, I think, house them like it. This is this is generation worth of uh, conditioning where we're, we're, we arrive in a marriage thinking like, well, you're the man and you're going to provide exclusively through finances. And I'm the woman, I'm, I'm going to provide exclusively through making sure that everything else <laughs> is is taken care of. And when that dynamic is not the norm in your relationship, that can create a lot of unsettled feelings and then d- break down in communication. And then f- one person feeling emasculated, the other person feeling Um, you know, like they're wearing the pants. It's so, it's so complex. Well, and also the the judgment
0: from other people. And I mean, it it isn't just you, it's outside judgment. Oh, what what do you, so you stay home with the kids, How does that work? How does that
1: work? I got that a lot. You know, obviously I, I live, I'm, I'm living this experience and have been for, um, all of my relationship with my husband. So, yeah, there's a whole chapter dedicated to how to navigate the, the third-party pressures, whether that's society, your boss, your mother-in-law, everybody.
0: It's, it is a great read, and uh, your podcast comes out thrice weekly. Thrice. It's also, it's also a bunch of time. Farnoosh, thanks for hanging out with us for a couple of days. We'll see you again in a month.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for having me.